Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about the church in Antioch in the book of Acts and how it can be a model for ministry for us. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to thank you for listening to our sermons. Our church runs on a fiscal year. That means that we are currently thinking about the work God has done in our church in the last year. One of the big things that we are celebrating is how many times our sermon audio has been listened to over 40,000 times. We reached the top charts in multiple countries in the category of Christianity, and people in countries all over the world listened. The most listened to sermon was one I preached in 2015 called Psalms, Hymns, and Songs. The most listened to sermon that was preached at our church this year was Water Into Wine. Perhaps even cooler is that I was able to talk to people who have been impacted by our sermons that don't even live anywhere near us. We are not a big church and it is truly amazing to know that our sermons are making a difference. Anyway, I want to say a big thank you to all of you who have taken time to listen, especially those of you that listen consistently. From those of you in Delta, Colorado, to those outside of Wichita, Kansas, to those in Los Angeles and Dallas, to those in Boardman, Oregon, to those in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and everywhere else. I love knowing that you're out there. I love knowing that the preparation I put into making a sermon is important far beyond the walls of our church. Thank you. As always, I hope that this sermon and all the others will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I would ask each of you to stand for the reading of the word. We stand for kings, presidents, Judges, when they enter the class, they enter the room, how much more so the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and the one who ordains our next heartbeat, our next breath. Also, it's Independence Day weekend here in America. We're celebrating our independence, our liberty, but halfway around the world, the people of Ukraine are still fighting to maintain their sovereignty, their independence. So what I'd like to do is something a little different. Culturally speaking, the people of Russia and the people of Ukraine, they have a lot in common. And consequently, most Ukrainians speak, read, and understand Russian. But we also acknowledge that the people of Russia, there are believers praying and thanking the Lord for the things that haven't happened. And they're still praying, Lord, come heal, help deliver in this war to show our love for the people of Ukraine, the people of Russia, and to celebrate our liberty, I've elected to read our morning scripture bilingually. I'll read it first in Russian, and then I'll translate it into English. Diania Apostola, the Acts of the Apostles, Glava Shetirnatset, e Devatset Chase, chapter 14, verse 26. E. Atudad pili va antiakiu, atkuda anibili, predani blagodati. Boji en adela, katorie ani is punili. Verse 27. Pribib ji is a brav circov, ani vas vestilitio. Sto satvareo bogsnimi, i kak on at kril, yazinikam devia viri. Verse 28. I atstavalisani nemalaye vrimia su ichinikami. Translation. And from there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. 
And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Verse 28, and they spent a long time with the disciples. Spasiba Pajalsta Sedicius. Thank you very much. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. One of the things that I grew up with in the church was testimony service. I can't remember the last time I've attended a, a good testimony service. Testimony service, for those of you who are not familiar with it, was that segment after the choir ushered us into the presence of the Lord and before the pastor stood up to give the morning uh, message or sermon. The purpose of testimony service is to acknowledge that our God is a living God. He is vibrant. He is a personal God. He is intimately involved with the aspects of our life. He's a caring God. Typically, testimony service lasted, or each testimony was from 30 seconds to about 90 seconds. In some cases, it was a bit longer. Let me give you an example. My wife was experiencing a high-risk pregnancy, and we had engaged the services of one of the best high-risk specialists in the region. This guy was really good at what he did. My wife's having some problems. We take her to the hospital. The doctor comes and he says, your wife's got a problem. We figured out what it was. I'm like, well, what's going on? What's going on? He said her oxygen rate has, we like to keep it at between 95 and 98%, but it's down to 70 and it's steady going down. So I've sent her to the emergency suite. I just have one question for you. Who lives, who dies, your wife or the child? I'm like, excuse me? He said, who lives, who dies? I don't have time to really discuss this, your wife or the baby. He said, doctor, I can't make that decision. He said, you don't have a choice. I said, I indemnify you. I hold you harmless from all liability. You do what you have to do, and I'm going to do what I have to do. And he says, well, what do you have to do? I said, I need to go pray. So I'm pouring my heart out. Lord, if it's my wife you call home, I'll thank you. If it's the child, I'll thank you for that. If you give them both back to me, I'll praise your name. Lord, I need your help. Doctor comes out a couple of minutes later and says, I don't believe this. I, I, I just don't believe this. And I'm like, what? What? Was it my wife? Did she go? Was it the baby? What? He said, outdone by a fetus. He said, outdone by a fetus. He said, I've never seen anything like this in my life before. We did a last-minute ultrasound to see where the baby's head was so I could make my initial incision. And all of a sudden, the oxygen monitors, they just took off like a fighter jet. They went from the upper 60s to 100%, and they stayed there. Your wife's fine. The baby's fine. And I'm like, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. God showed up. He answered my prayers. And for those of us who are a bit traditional and need a sermon topic, if you haven't figured it out, the title of my message this morning is, the report, or another way of saying this, testimony. I have a testimony. You have a testimony. The time frame for our text is approximately two decades after the death, 
burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul and Barnabas have just completed their first missionary journey, and they are returning to the place where believers were first called Christians. They visited modern-day Turkey, Syria, and Cyprus, and now they're headed home to report on the experiences and the moves of God via the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 14, verse 27 in the King James Version said, they rehearsed what God had done with them, as in partnership. The Father wants to use every believer to proclaim his goodness. The New Living Translation and the NIV version said that they reported what God had done through them, through them as an instrumentation to formally mention or to declare something to those in authority. The Father wants to use each and every person to make the world better and to bring him honor and glory. Another way of saying this is, I have need of you. The Father has need of you. The New Revised Standard Version says they related all the things that God had done with them. With them, meaning belonging to the same family or group. If you're Hispanic, it would be me familia. If it's Russian or Ukrainian, it's simya. The Lord calls all family, all of his children, family. The Lord wants a personal relationship with you. What we see in this text is the culmination of believers, of Christians, practicing Christianity under the power of the Holy Spirit and how we are to interact with one another. Public service message. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not an ethereal force. Like, use the force, Luke. No, the Holy Spirit is a living being. If, were pos if it were possible for God the Father and God the Son to cease to exist, the Holy Spirit would still be able to hold all things together on our behalf and in accordance to his will. What we see in Acts 14, 26 through 28 is ordinary people who have been enabled to do extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Paul have rebuked a wizard or a warlock who was trying to hinder the gospel message. They have cast out devils. They have been in the process, ran out of town. In one instance, Paul was stoned unto death. But then the Holy Spirit steps in, and Paul is able to go back into the city. And throughout all these challenges, the Lord turns things around and ultimately, we see that they make disciples, establish churches, and appoint elders. So, if things are going well, you're making disciples, you're establishing churches, appointing elders, why return to Antioch? Why not keep going? I believe that in part, it's because of after prayerful consultation with the Holy Spirit, Paul and Barnabas realized that they have a responsibility to the church at Antioch, and they're holding themselves accountable to report to them 
on the moves of God and the Holy Spirit, which begs the question, to whom are you accountable and who holds you responsible? What's the difference between responsibility and accountability? When we talk about accountability, we're talking about an obligation or willingness to explain something or be answerable to someone about something. When we talk about responsibility, responsibility means who is the person ultimately that makes sure everything gets done. And when things don't go right, who is the person that makes it right? Let me give you some examples. We owed a debt we could not pay. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. He who knew no sin in the fullness of time, the infinite became finite, wrapped himself in human flesh, walked amongst us, and then he stretched out his hands on a cross and died, was buried and resurrected so that whomsoever will let them come. Another example, and this is me speaking to all the men especially who are the head of the house. Head of the house does not mean that we are master and lord of all that we survey. We get the first say, the last say, the in-between say, my way or the highway. No, head of the house means that whether it's your spouse, your mate, your significant other, however you want to address that person. It means that when they come home and they're tired and they pass out across the bed or on the couch, it doesn't mean you wake them up and say, hey, what about dinner? No, he who would be greatest, let him serve all. He who was greatest served all. This means that Hey, if you can't cook, it's a Grubhub night, okay? You get some delivery, it's frozen pizza, mac and cheese, you're the man, make it happen. It means that you give the baths, you help with the homework, the bedtime story, because you're responsible. Responsibility, who ultimately makes it right. Another way of looking at this is Everyone has a testimony. I have a testimony. You have a testimony. And if you don't think that what you do matters, look at your social media page. Modern-day sociologists tell us that the average person's life will affect 10,000 people in their lifetime, not just the preacher, the Sunday school teacher, the average person's life. Your life will affect 10,000 people minimum in your lifetime. Look at your social media footprint. How many people follow you on Snapchat, Reddit, Facebook? Even if they don't click like or follow, they still read it. You still had an impact. Don't believe me? Another way of looking at this is your personal brand. What's your personal brand? Nike, Adidas, they spend millions of dollars on their brand. What's your brand? Here's the test to figure out 
what your testimony looks like, what your personal brand is. Ask people what type of physical response they experience when your name is mentioned. What are people saying about you when you're not in the room? Is it, oh my God, dude talks way too much, gives me a headache, can't get a word in inchwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, braggadocia, you know, you see this belt, belt? This belt buckle, I paid $500 for this, and the belt was another $1,200. It's ridiculous. Or is it, here comes good help. It's something about him. It's something about her. When this person walks in the room, I just relax. It's like the whole room lights up. What are people saying about you? I have a testimony. You have a testimony. You have a personal brand. I want to quote something from Oz Hillman. Oz Hillman is a person who has a website for believers who are in business. He says, God desires to build a testimony in each of us. Each of us is one of God's chosen vessels to reflect his power in and through us. When others see this power reflected, they are impacted because they cannot explain that power. God desires to frame your life with experiences designed to reflect the character and nature of Christ. Sometimes these events can be very devastating, but they are designed to reveal his power in and through us. Stay with me, folks. I'll bring it all home in about five minutes. Accountability. Why do we need accountability? We need accountability because it keeps us humble. It dispels the myth of being your own boss. No man is an island unto himself. And Lord Nelson got it right when he said, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Show me a person without accountability, I will show you a victimizer, a brute, a tyrant. Responsibility. Let me reframe responsibility for you. Responsibility for believers is our part in Jesus' ministry. It is our opportunity to declare to a fallen world just how great Jesus is. And your testimony matters. I have a testimony. You have a testimony. Here's a sobering thought for you. To the degree to which we love our enemies. It's the extent and degree that we actually love God. To the degree to which we love our enemies is the extent and degree that we actually love God. How can we say that we love God whom we have not seen when we can't love and get along with the people we see? How can we give a godly witness and a testimony when we can't get along when we hate our brother or our neighbor, who's our brother? Who's my neighbor? Is it that LGBTQQ plus person next door? The what? Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual. Is it that person next door? Is it, you know, those minorities? Well, you know, they're, okay, so much for the neighborhood. Is it that Muslim person, who's my neighbor? Is it that person 
who you have a difference of opinion on as to pro-life or pro-choice. God loves the person. We love the person. It's the lifestyle that God has a problem with. How much do you really love God? How much do you really love the person whose lifestyle, behavior, or political position you disagree with? To whom? To whom much is given, much is required. This doesn't mean, again, that we approve the lifestyle, but we love the person. We walk with the person. We talk to the person. Invite them over for dinner. Have coffee with them. It's not our job to change people. Our job is to love and love like Christ in a fallen world and let the Holy Spirit do the correcting, the convicting, and the lifestyle changes. I've talked about accountability. I've talked about testimony, responsibility. So how does all of this relate to Acts 14, chapter 26? I mean, Acts 14, verses 26 through 28. Here it is. When you take your accountability and add it to your responsibilities, it becomes the basis for the test in your life. You can't have a testimony unless you first have some tests. Test, the way you address the test in your life is part of your testimony. It's how you handle your part in Jesus' ministry. If you don't pass the test, you go to the remedial class. You've been married three, four times. Is it possible that the common denominator isn't the people you're marrying? It's you. You can't hold a job. You keep losing jobs. They don't appreciate me. They don't understand my gifts and talents. Maybe there's something the Lord's trying to communicate to you that you're not getting. If, on the other hand, you pass the test, on the other side of the test, there's a blessing. Sometimes it's stuff. You get the promotion. You got the car. Other times, it's things such as my wife wants to surprise me with a nice little lunch just for the two of us. She shows up unbeknownst to me. A woman at work comes up and says, I've been watching you. I'm like, you have? Yeah. And I think you're nice. I think you're understanding. I really want to get to know you. Um, maybe we could, you know, lunch or dinner sometime, my treat. What do you say? My response is, I'm flattered, uh, honored, thank you a lot, but I'm married, I love my wife, she's everything that I need, I love my kids, I love Jesus. So can we just keep it professional? No foul, it's still good. But unbeknownst to me, my wife saw all of this and she's like, wow, I'm that special? This woman is drop dead gorgeous, she could stop traffic or cause an accident if she walked across the street. And my husband turned her down for me. Wow, am I that special? Am I that valuable? Wow. That's my blessing. I brought God honor and glory. I solidified my marriage. I didn't dishonor my kids or violate them. 
When we take our accountability and our responsibility, we put them together, it becomes the basis for the test in our life. When we pass the test, or even if we don't, our testimony becomes a report that we have to give before man, God, and those people who are in authority above us. Accountability plus responsibility becomes the basis for the test in your life. Your testimony then becomes the report, a report that you have to give. You're answerable for your testimony. And ultimately, the report of your life At the end of your life, it is appointed unto every man to die once, and then the judgment. When you stand before your creator, what will your testimony look like? What will the report of your life look like? If you are a believer, it becomes, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. And, oh, by the way, because you passed these tests, These are eternal rewards and blessings for you. If, on the other hand, you're a non-believer, your accountability plus your responsibility becomes the basis for the test and the testimony in your life. And when you have to give the report of your life before your Savior, it's depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I knew you not. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, Lord, time out, time out. Um, um, and this is the Brian Smith version of this, so bear with me. The Lord says, you want a timeout? Fine. Okay, what do you have to say? Say what you got to say. Well, Lord, you know, uh, the pastor, he was doing that, uh, that mission stuff, you know. They were building churches and houses and whatnot, bought them some clothes, you know. They had some functions at the church, bought the, red, the first lady some Dolce and Cabana, some red-bottomed shoes, uh, flipped some burgers and some brats at the church picnic, uh, helped out at, yeah, VBS. I did the VBS thing and helped out a few times in the nursery, changed some diapers, got poopy on me and said, okay, praise the Lord. Don't I get credit for that? And the Lord says, your report, my report for your life, he who hath the Son hath life. He who hath not the Son hath not life because he hasn't believed on the only begotten Son of God. He hasn't believed on me. You didn't accept me as Lord and Savior. You can't do enough good works to get into heaven. All you had to do was bow the knee, yield your will, accept me as Savior, and you too could be over here. So again, I say to you, depart from me. Your report is, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I never knew you into utter darkness, separation from me, and a literal hell, fire, brimstone. That's the report of your life. So when we talk about the qualities of a successful church, when we talk about the qualities of a successful lifestyle, and it doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes because he is faithful and just to forgive all of us if we confess our sins. But when we talk about the qualities of a successful church, like the church in Antioch, 
when we talk about Acts chapter 14, verses 26 through 28, how we handle our accountability, how we handle our responsibilities, both publicly and privately, becomes the ultimate report. And that's what you see in this chapter. You see accountability meeting responsibility. You see a testimony that is perfected, trials, challenges. You will go through these things. In this life, you will have some tribulation. But ultimately, each and every one of us has to give a report for our lives. Let me pray that your accountability, your responsibilities will yield a perfected testimony as only the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ can do, and that ultimately the report for your life and this church is well done, good and faithful servant. Father God, I thank you that you are the God that sits high, but you look low, that you are involved in every aspect of our lives. Lord, help us to be accountable today. Help us to handle our responsibilities, our part in Jesus' ministry. Lord, we can't do this without you. We need the Holy Spirit. We need you. Help us, Lord. Lead us and guide us so that ultimately the report of our lives, the testimony, our testimony, what we hear from you is well done, good, and faithful servant.